This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. to the GPL podcast episode number 144 well we've got Viggs this week we don't have Hammy Hammy's out a little sick and didn't even go to work today so I tell you he, he kind of felt bad but I'm like yeah we don't need you Hammy and, and really Viggs we don't really need him do we <laughs> I guess not I, I, I <laughs> hey when like you're not here you get thrown under the bus yeah that's the Rube style right there is back up the bus on the people who aren't there. Oh, so Rubes. We'll keep it going. Yeah. <clears throat> well, if you have questions for us this week, you know, you just send it to us, you know, via Twitter. You just use the hashtag GPL podcast and, and we'll pick it up. I've seen a few questions in there. And obviously a lot of people send questions when they're listening live uh, on the Mixler app. And the Mixler app's got a lot of chat. So we've got uh, people in there already asking us questions. You know, Mote's already pissed off that we're not going to get Hammy TMZ. He might leave already. Um, big mistake likes our new bumper music, so that's good. Um, uh, so just send us questions if you want. We'll try to get to them since it's just going to be Viggs and I tonight. That, uh... Well, Viggs, you know, um, we've always said, you know, split on the road, sweep at home. Minnesota's not quite there yet, but they, they played a really good team this weekend. They did split at home to Penn State. You know, lost four two Friday night, a win four one Saturday night. Granted, um, Penn State was missing missing a couple of their stars, but um, you know, I would say especially Saturday, we know that uh, Matsko was really happy how the team performed Saturday night. Well, I think he's happy with the way this team is trending. I know the the average fan might not see it, but this team is starting to generate a little bit more offense, a little more consistency. They're showing the ability to control the puck in the offensive zone, and they're not really spending a lot of time defending. The things that have been killing this team this year are the quick one-and-dones in the offensive zone, uh, taking too many penalties, yeah. and um, not scoring enough goals. And I think we're starting to see some of those things all start to dissipate, and we saw it this weekend where they controlled pretty much most of the play for the entire weekend, and if not for a couple of catastrophic mistakes on Friday – they could have came away from a sweep. And that's not something we've seen this season early. Uh, one thing, thing people love to say is like, hey, you know, Penn State didn't have a couple of their good young stars. But um, I, I know, I guess I've just found over the last few years that uh, it just seems like, you know, no matter what kind of team Minnesota has, they've done a fairly good job of keeping the superstars from being super. I mean, you look at Michigan earlier this year and their their wonderful defenseman, you know, we kind of shut him down. Was Is that Hughes, right? Yep, that's Hughes. And it's I mean, definitely a situation, I think, where Minnesota does rise to a challenge. You know, they'll play up to their competition. They also play down to their competition sometimes <laughs> as well. But I think against the good teams, you know, it gets their attention and it gets their focus. I think one thing that happens with a program like Minnesota is usually you get your opponent's A game 
Well, when Minnesota plays an A team, they bring their A game a little bit more often. And Jess just kind of got on. Jess in the chat was just saying, you know, he thought it was a great week of play. Stayed out of the box. And um, you kind of mentioned that a little bit too. But uh, that is something they are doing better at is staying out of the box. Yeah, we saw a couple penalties here and there. And there were still some <clears throat> stick penalties. But you just didn't see them coming necessarily at the wrong time. And the penalty kill, which has been strong all year, came through again this weekend. Uh, I thought they looked pretty solid. For the most part, they didn't give up a power play goal to Penn State, which was important in a series like this. Uh, Bob Motzkow kind of fell on the sword a little bit for their play against Ferris State and admitted that they didn't even practice on ice the penalty kill all week for that series. Mm. They tried to get away with just doing it with video, which obviously didn't work because they gave up three power play goals that weekend. <laughs> so they made sure to take care of that headed into Penn State, and they were a little bit more effective. Uh, well, one thing that did happen this this past weekend is uh, somebody who hadn't scored for a while actually scored, and he got two goals. Jack Ramsey finally kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe he found a new line mate in, uh, in Novak, but uh, uh, he had a couple of nice goals this weekend. Yeah, just two spectacular ones. You know, a, a toe drag one and then a nice move around the goalie in front of the net. Uh, some skill that Jack Ramsey does have. You know, I talked to him a little bit about it. And, you know, you just kind of get in that mentality where you think your role is a certain role and you just kind of pigeonhole yourself there. And when I told him he only had 10 shots on the season, he was kind of startled. He's like, <laughs> wow, I need to start shooting the puck a little bit more and showing some offense because he has shown offense in practice. You know, he's got a nice set of hands. Uh, when he was in the Chicago development camp, he was one of the top scorers one year in their little tournament that they had so he does have an ability to score some goals and maybe that's a weekend where he kind of gets a little bit of confidence and provides that depth scoring that this team needs well one thing i've enjoyed about jack is that he he does interact with the fans and and even us on twitter you know when we mention him um i noticed you know just a couple weeks ago i was giving him a hard time about not having any points and he comes he actually replies says you know i'm a penalty killer <laughs> and things like that but uh, like you said, he that was kind of his role. Is you know him and Romanco and Norman were kind of the the, the checking line quotes, um, and they just really hadn't gotten the offense going. And now with Romanco out, and uh, I guess you could say that you know you know maybe Norman or not Norman, I should say Novak is uh, maybe being punished, being put back there. I'm not really sure, but uh, you know we, we haven't got uh, Novak on the scoring. A tally yet or as a goal but uh maybe he was the guy who opened up uh mr ramsey yeah maybe you know a guy who has puck possession skills and is looking to generate offense maybe you pair that with norman and ramsey who do have a history of scoring it's just not yes. at the collegiate level you know they have shown in their careers the ability to score they just haven't done it for the gophers it's there and so maybe playing with Novak, who's a great passer and you know looks to generate offense, can help them out. And at the same time, you know guys like Norman and Ramsey, who could be a little more defensive-minded, can help Novak out as well and keep Novak from making big mistakes. Now, boy, Novak, um, you know, I, just being at the games, you know, watching on TV. He is getting chances, you know, sometimes he's missing the net or he's just 
I think it's a little bit bad luck, and maybe it's in his head now. But uh, I kept thinking that, you know, I think he might break out with a goal, and it'll, his first goal of the season will be an empty net goal. But I just, I just have this feeling if he finally gets one that maybe it'll just take this monkey off his back and he'll be able to, you know, start scoring and contributing more on the scoring end, not in the setup end. Yeah, it's hard to know with him. You know, ever since he's had his injuries, he hasn't really been able to score many goals. Um, he's just not a great shooter. Uh, he looks to pass, so I think sometimes when he is taking shots, it's too late, you know, because he kind of passes first and shoots as a, a last resort. Yeah. So it kind of puts him in a bad spot to score goals. Uh, but he is a player who makes the power play go. You know, they're playing this kind of 2-3 power play look at times. And a big reason for that is because they have Novak up top who can distribute the puck, you know, to Sheehy on his off wing and to Gates and Pitlick on their off wing. And they're not able to do that if he's not in that role. And he's such a good passer, has such great vision, that as long as he can avoid the catastrophic mistakes on the point, you know, he can make that power play go. And it's a unit that's clicking at over 20%, which is pretty good for college hockey these days. And it's been something they've been able to count on for almost a goal a game here the last two months. Um, you know, you talked about Friday night, you know, if they could have maybe done a little better on the penalty, on the power play too, and the penalty kill, um, you know, but I would say Friday night, they were really bailed out by, by their trusty goalie. You well, know, that's kind of been a story all season. It has been a story all season, but I, I, I think even Friday night, it was, it was even more apparent. Well, I think in the Michigan and Ohio State series, it was readily apparent in those series that they were counting on their goaltending. And Bob Motzka was talking about this yesterday at availability, that this is a dangerous team. And it's dangerous not because they're playing so well. It's because their goaltending is so strong. It's because their special teams can be a big strength. And this is a team that, you know, you, you run into a hot goalie. Minnesota's been used to that. You know, you've <laughs> got problems. And uh, when Matt Robson's on, he is a very difficult goalie to beat because he's so big and he's so sound. Um, and then if they need another goaltender, they've got one who's got a totally different look, who's got a little street hockey goalie in him and is a little bit more athletic and challenging than Eric Shearhorn. And let's get back to the power play. You know, um, for the weekend against, you know, Fair State, they kind of switched it up from what they were doing, a new kind of formation. Um, what did they end up doing this past weekend against Penn State? Did they kind of even mix it up even a little more? What did you see? I think they did a little bit more of the 2-3 like they did against Ferris. Mm -hmm. um, what tended to happen was Novak drifted almost more to the point from the middle of the ice, which set up Pitlick and Gates as one-time options. And again, it really stresses the penalty kill, figuring out which pass to take away, because those are you know, two lanes that are tough for a goaltender to stop when the puck moves across. I think they're just looking for a little more consistency around the front of the net. Um, we saw a bunch of guys rotate through there. Um, I think Reedy, uh, McManus, uh, Burke, um, I think even Sadek got a chance in front of the net as kind of that guy who can you know, screen the goaltender, take away the eyes, and pounce on rebounds. Because I think Moscow you know, sees this unit as coming together. They just need someone with a little more grit. Uh, maybe it's going to be Ramsey at some point who gets a shot out there in front of the net if he keeps scoring goals. Well, he definitely has the size. Um 
And uh, and what he was kind of showing us this past weekend is he may have the hands too. Yeah, and I think that's why they wanted to put Burke there is because he has a history of scoring goals around the net. You know, he's been pretty slippery um, so far, and and they just need someone who's tenacious out there. So we'll we'll see what happens as that continues to evolve. I'm, I'd like to get your thoughts on uh, Ranta. You know, he started off you know pretty good this year, but has been you know fairly quiet the past month. Well, just the the thing with Ranta is he's got a great shot. You know, we've all seen it in the opening weekend. You see it in practice. I think he's getting into a bit of a a stretch where he's pressing. He's holding on to the puck too long. He's thinking, I've got to get a great, perfect shot off. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason that he was so successful early in the season was he was getting the puck off quick. You know, he was either coming across the blue line and getting it quick, you know, moving laterally, changing the angle. Um and surprising the goalie a little bit. Now it seems to be he's kind of holding on, waiting for that perfect shot, and that just doesn't happen in college hockey. You know, everybody's too sound defensively. Um, it rarely happens that you can score on goals like that. So I, I think one of the things for him to get more effective is to move the puck and trust that it's going to get back to you. You know, there's a lot of skilled players in the roster who can move the puck back to him. He's just got to trust that and let it come could be that he was just pressing to make the world junior team and impress his coach so much too you know that does weigh heavily on young players is you know especially in a country like finland where there's so much focus on you know their world teams their junior teams making that team maybe he's putting a little extra pressure on himself and obviously he was pretty much the last player cut from that team and that team ended up beating us for the title yeah, that's got to be that's got to be rough for Ranta, knowing that he was pretty close to winning a gold medal, and you know, just giving some fuel to to work on it for the future. Maybe they cut the right guy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they made the right decision there. That's true. <laughs> but it was you know another exciting World Junior tournament. We we obviously had those those upsets of Canada and Sweden. You know, early in the quarterfinals. Um, uh, <laughs> You had some just really goofy plays where uh, a, a Russian gets, you know, two penalty shots called against him in one play when they played Switzerland. Um, and then you have the U.S. getting down early in the gold medal game, coming back and tying it, and then losing it late. It, it, that junior tournament, it just never fails to uh, excite you and just, uh, and, and just have weird things happen as well. Well, it's just you've got young kids who are super talented that are thrown together and mistakes are going to happen. And hockey is a game to capitalize on someone else's mistakes. And it's so fun to watch in the World Juniors. This year, more than ever, you didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I don't know uh, what quite the deal was with Canada. I didn't watch them very closely. But for them to, to go out in the quarters like they did uh, was pretty pretty shocking to me. You know, that's a team that's expected to win gold every year, especially on home soil. I know that the social media reaction was massively negative with the <laughs> with the players on that squad and you know that's something they're gonna have to learn to deal with as they try to make careers in hockey but uh it was, it was shocking to me and then sweden you know who's hasn't lost a preliminary round game and uh i think like 60 games or something like that yeah it's a ridiculous for, for, long number for them to go out is surprising too because that's a team that's you know just built to be consistent and possess the puck and uh it's paid off for them in the past but Surprises this year, a lot of fun to watch. I think, I think the more... U.S. got a little bit lucky to pass Russia. They uh, got a great 
goaltending performance from their guy and it got them through. Well, yeah, it's hard to complain, you know, I, well, maybe people complain these days, but you know, you get a silver medal and that's pretty good for a team us, you know, considering most of our lives, uh, we never paid much attention to the tournament, you know, back in the nineties and even early two thousands because, uh, the U S team stunk and they rarely even made it to the second round or the medal round, I guess you would call it. And, and then you compare that to somebody like a Canada this year who didn't make it out of the quarterfinals after probably, you know, being the team that had been together the longest, you know, they, they came together in early December and they had the most time together, but, uh, that, that is a pretty big epic fail in Canada on home ice. It's just so much pressure on those there, guys yeah, every year. Obviously, yeah, and may, a lot and maybe having a long camp for that kind of team isn't what you want to <laughs> do because it just ramps up the pressure even more because, you know, TSN gives full coverage to the World Juniors because the uh, Sportsnet has the NHL rights now. So you're just getting constant updates in Canada on their team from that media. It, imagine if SportsCenter did 25 to 30 minutes on the U.S. World Junior Team every night. Live at the Live. place. I mean, that's what it's like. Yes. It is It is essentially like the Stanley Cup coverage. You know, they've got people on site. They've, they're have they talking. I mean, it's it's a huge deal in Canada. I don't think people really down here realize how big it is, um, which is why they get it every other year. Yeah. It'd, it'd be amazing, you know, if the NCAA basketball tournament – if you just focused on one team every year, you know, that's kind of what it's like, I think. <laughs> well, you know what? The world's catching up and we've been seeing that the past, you know, 30 years. I mean, you look, well, at, the, you look at the amount the of US Americans is catching that, up too. I'm sorry, what? The U S is catching up too. I mean, you look at the yep. composition of the roster right now for the U S you know, there's kids from all over the country and that's just a, a great job. I think, you know, we're finally starting to see the expansion of the NHL impact youth hockey where they're starting to become, you know, 20, 20, 24 years old. And that's helping add to the depth of the U.S. roster. Well, and just look, you know, what's happened over the past 30 years. The, the percentage of American to percentage of Canadian players has changed a lot. I mean, it's a huge shift. And then you had the Europeans coming in. And then, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, you had the Russians coming in. So... Really, the, the Canadians are still uh, supply the bulk of the NHL kids, but uh, they are not the huge big dog anymore. They're not, and it's fun to see the big dog get knocked off every once in a while. So, <laughs> I just it's, I, it's hard. I, they cheer so hard against the U.S. in every game. It's hard not to take a little bit of joy and say, <laughs> "Oh, that's that's a shame." <laughs> and you know, I'm guessing it was probably never like that in the past. It wasn't until that uh, team, you know, went up to Canada and beat them. It was about a little over 10 years ago now, maybe 10 or 12 years ago. Um, I think, you know, once we finally started being able to compete with them, then they started to hate us. Yeah. Cause I think before that it was still Canada, Russia, you know, you had those Canada yeah. cups and, and things like that to build up that rivalry. Uh, so it's uh it's good that the, the U S team is starting to answer back a little bit. It makes the tournament a lot more fun. It you does. Parody parody is good for that kind of stuff, and we're oh. seeing that in college hockey right now as well. Yeah. Well, you, you look at college hockey. College hockey's. I mean, we got Arizona State in the top ten right now. I mean, that says it all. Yeah, a little bit of that is scheduling and, and whatnot, but you know, the, they do have a bunch of good hockey players because you know there's probably more Division One hockey players than there are Division One hockey roster spots right now. 
yeah. with the growth of the USHL to be as good as it is, um, the growth of the NAHL. I mean, that league used to be pretty pretty far down the rung from having Division One college players, and now there's multiple players on every team, and especially you know the overage players. You know, there's not enough spots for those guys in the USHL, so they go to the NHL and they're they're top players in that league. You know, if if Arizona State ends up getting that rank, um, I wouldn't doubt if the Big Ten tries to go after them. And well, I mean, if they if they can't get other schools to come in, and you know Arizona State gets a good rank, I mean Arizona, you know they're, they're obviously doing some pretty good things recruiting right now. Um, and you know what, uh, Arizona's a nice place to go, especially during the hockey season. Yeah, I mean the key is getting a rank. Penn State basically put out the template for for all teams to, to follow in terms of get a big donation, build a nice on-campus rink, get a loyal fan base, and join a big conference. You know, some people think that the Big Ten, you know, welcome Penn State because of TV rights and things like that. <laughs> Penn State joined the Big Ten so that they could have a successful program. You know, Pugula is going to give all that money to that school, being in the Big Ten is the best way to support that program. I was looking at attendance. You know, their first year as a Division One school, I think they only averaged about 3,000, 2,700 student or fans per game. But as soon as they joined the Big Ten, you know, they were sold out for the season. Well, there you go. Obviously, we know there's a lot of hate for Penn State. But, uh, you know, as Pat micheletti has been saying for the past, you know, seven, eight years, grow the game. And that's what they're trying to do. You know, we've lost a couple small teams, you know, in the last few years. Um, but then we've added teams like Penn State and now Arizona State. So, uh, as, as like you said, oh, he grow the game. And there, there's going to there, there's there's be shifts. Happen. There's going to be shifts. You know, when new teams come up, we have to do some moving around here and there. But uh, grow the game. Well, the only Big Ten school that's really had a decline in attendance is Minnesota. It's actually been pretty good for just about everybody else well we, we know wisconsin had the big drop as well but they've also got a gigantic arena yeah i mean they've got a big rink and you know their attendance is starting to come back a little bit from you know it's low point um ohio state you know they are up probably 25 30 percent from where they've been um, notre dame you know they're up from when they were in the ccha uh so I think it's been good for everybody pretty much except Minnesota. Well, that's just how it goes. Well, we're going to get to a few of your Twitter questions and uh, obviously your chat questions as well. But first, we need to hear from our sponsor. VintageMNHockey.com is a proud sponsor of the GPL podcast. Well, what is Vintage MN Hockey? Well, it's kind of the place to get all of your history of Minnesota hockey from the pros to the minors to the collegiate teams to even the high school teams. All information about any of those teams can be found on VintageMNHockey.com. They also have great interviews with some historical Minnesota hockey figures like John Mayasich and Lou Nanny, Glenn Sonmore, some of the greats of Minnesota hockey. So make sure you check out those interviews. It's a really great thing. But as like I always say, I think my favorite part is the store. The store, you can buy a custom historical jersey from the Gophers or the Bulldogs or some of your favorite high school teams. And if you do make a purchase, just use the code GPLPODCAST, all one word, and you'll get 10% off your order. So make sure you visit VintageMNHockey.com and follow them on Twitter at VintageMNHockey. 
All right, let's get to some of your questions. You know, if you always have questions for us, you can just use the hashtag GPL Podcast on Twitter, and we'll you, know, you can do it anytime. We'll try to save it for the next show if we can. Um, I noticed that uh, right before he came into the live uh, listening, uh, big mistake uh, tweeted out: Does ten dollar tickets and bigger crowds worth sacrificing season ticket holders? What do you think, Biggs? Oh boy, this is always <laughs> a tricky, tricky response because some people, you know, they don't really care that someone's getting in the door for ten dollars as long as the atmosphere and the rink is good. And I've been doing ticket scan data for a while, and Saturday's Penn State game was by far the biggest crowd this season by almost eighteen hundred. Wow! And it was it was by far the best crowd, and you know some of that could be. You know, the $10 tickets that they were able to sell at the State Fair this year, um, their Black Friday deals. Um, could just be that people are, you know, ready for hockey now as the Gophers play every week here on out. Um, I spoke with Mark Coyle a little bit this week, and, you know, the university hasn't seen a big needle move as they've dropped prices on tickets, um, even when they have done these kinds of deals. So I don't know if we're going to see a lot of this in the future or if we're just seeing some renewed energy around the program and people are finally ready to show up. Well, one thing we have seen is, you know, whether it's marketing or it's uh, uh, Brian Deutsch coming up with this stuff over there at the U. But, uh, you know, this you know month, this past Monday, they went up to Roseville and had an open practice, and then they had a signing session, and they were out, actually out there skating with some kids after, you know, after practice. Um, and then they're doing the same thing here in St. Louis Park this next Monday, it seems like they're out in the community a little more. Uh-oh. Did I lose Viggs there? Oh, poor connection for Vigo. Wow, perfect timing. Right as I talking to him. Hmm. I hope you people are still listening live. Let me hang up with Viggs and try to reconnect with him. That was weird. I'm not sure what's going on with Vigo there. Completely lost him. We'll try to call him again here. We lost you there for a second there, Viggs. I lost you. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it was strange. It says uh, poor connection. Something weird huh. happened. I'm not really sure what happened there. Well, I heard the part about, you know, the outdoor skate and uh, the new thing that they're trying here. They, they're doing another one here in St. Louis Park. Yep, that's what I was talking about, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's great for growing the game. I know Bob Moscow spoke to a bunch of season ticket holders before the Saturday uh, Penn State game. You know, they're trying to find ways to engage with their fans more, yeah. and I think this is just great for the program to do. Uh, I've often said that some of your best fans are going to be the ones who don't know anything about the old WCHA. You know, they're going to hear WCHA, and they're going to think, what? Michigan Tech, Minnesota State, <laughs> Bemidji? Why would we want to be in that conference? You know, I think those are probably going to be some of your best fans going forward. And so this is this is a great way for the program to get out and connect. And, you know, Bob's a perfect uh, salesman for the job as well. Yeah, it looks like they had a lot of fun out there with, you know, with the kids. And uh, they'll be out there again. At, what's, the, is it, there's, what's the name of the St. Louis Park Arena? Is it just uh, their city I'm, arena? Or? 
Yeah, I think so. I think it's just their St. Louis Park Rec Center. They've, they've got a, a covered sheet out there so the sun doesn't beat down on it. Oh, cool. We're, we're starting to see some of those around the state. Um, I know Grand Rapids has one of those. Edina has one of those. You know, it's a great economical way for a hockey community to get some outdoor ice um, that's cheaper and can get more kids on it. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to get out there on next Monday since it's a little closer to me and see how the whole thing is going just to kind of get the whole vibe. Cause you know, we, I want to see more things like this and you know, they've been doing more things like this, you know, after games, they've been doing more, you know, planned out, you know, sessions with players signing for, for the kids. Um, you, you know, usually before, you know, it was kind of a free for all, you know, once the players got out of the elevator, they'd be mobbed by kids, but now they're doing, you know, more actually structured things after games now. So they are doing and trying to do a lot of different things. Yeah, I think so. You know, they're trying to find ways to, to be more than just a ticket for fans. They want it to be an experience. You know, they want to have reasons for fans to get to the arena early, be on time, and stay late. And so I think you're just going to see more of these things come along as the program starts to figure it out. You know, one of the things that the athletic department did was they took all their ticket sales in-house uh, recently. So they wanted to be in control of it before you know, they outsourced it because they didn't have to work very hard. You know, it's just send out invoices and wait for the money to come back in. And that's no longer good enough. Yeah. Uh, so fans are expecting more and they're trying to figure out what will pique their interest. So I think this is one of the things. Mote in the, in the live chat is wondering, where are we in the pairwise? Any chance of climbing into top 15? And I'm looking right now, looks like Minnesota's number 26. And really at this time of year, just win, baby. I mean, really, that's essentially what they, what they need to start doing if they want to climb up in the pairwise. Just win. I think it's going to be tough for them to get into the top 13. I think just based on those losses to Ferris State and St. Lawrence, they're going to have a tough time. And the way Bob is talking, you know, he wants to get his team ready for playoff hockey. Uh, so that's, I think, where his focus is, is. He wants to get them ready for the Big Ten tournament. He even called it out yesterday in availability that he likes the format of the tournament mm-hmm. you know the idea where you know they can get maybe high enough in the conference where they get to play at home for some games you know gets them into a championship game a one-off you know that's something they think they can win and here's the deal um the big ten is really a toss-up right now i mean oh, it's it, so it, close it is so close we don't have a team just coming into the league like uh, notre dame did last year and just dominating. Yeah, I'm surprised at Ohio State. I thought they would have a chance to maybe run away with this league this year, but you know they've they're ten five and two. You know I I don't see them pulling away. It looks like the depth of the conference is definitely there. Um, heck, even Wisconsin, who we didn't think a whole lot of at the start of the year, they're in second place right now. Exactly. I mean, you got you got Ohio State at twenty points, Wisconsin at sixteen, and you got. Notre Dame, us, and Michigan all at 15. Penn State just one point behind that. And, and, and as we've seen, Michigan State has played spoiler a few times. They split with the Ohio State this past weekend. Yeah, you know, Michigan State has that one line, you know, the KHL line, and they're talented. If you're not paying attention, they can steal a game from you. Though it helps if you give them seven goals. <laughs> that is true. Um, we got Nick Johnson wondering, thoughts on how – if the Gophers score first has led to a lot of losses, 
compared to with scoring second leads to wins, or so it seems. He just has this perception, you know, like, it seems like when the Gophers don't score first, they're doing better. You know, it's hard to explain with this year's group. I, I don't know what it is. I, I think this is a team where maybe if they score first, they want to sit back a little bit, and they get in this, you know, defensive posture, and that's why they can't get to three goals. Whereas if maybe they give up that first goal, they, they get a little bit more juice and they get some energy and the reverse. Uh, but I think part of it is, you know, the defensemen on this team still probably have a ways to go in their growth. And, you know, when you get ahead, you might be playing in your own end a little bit more. That, that's not a strength of this team. <laughs> we know it's not. Um, Dennis Nelson wants to know, who are the better refs and linesmen in the Big Ten? And why don't we try to have one on? They have a difficult job to do, but uh, only uh, but only a few don't need glasses. Well, for one thing, I really don't think they would allow the refs. To, I mean, they hardly even talk to the media, do they? I mean, we don't really have that kind of access to them. I mean, we do sort of have access to them. Um, you know, obviously, we, we we see them out after the games a lot, and we do get to talk with them. And uh, from what I've seen, these these refs are all they're all really good guys, really great guys. They're, they're not out to get Minnesota. They're not out to get any other team. Um, and a lot of times, you know, you know, when we do talk with them. They do explain, hey, why we did this and why we did that, and then when when you talk to them, you you get a much more understanding of what they're where they're coming from. Yeah, it is a tough job, and I actually think the Big Ten has a pretty good crew of refs uh, compared to some of the other leagues. You know, I think the travel in the Big Ten is pretty nice, and yeah. so that attracts some some good quality officials. Um, and they they are going to mess up. It's going to be part of the game. Um, but I, I don't really know if there's a crew right now in the Big Ten that I see on the lineup sheet and I go, ooh, it's going to be a long night. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if there's anyone like that right now. So. It's, it's not like the old days of Anderson or maybe Don Adam or, or what it may be. Well, I think there's pretty good, you know, the officials don't hold grudges right now in this league. I don't know what it is, uh, if there's too many eyes that you can't hold grudges or what, but. Uh, it seems pretty balanced to me right now. And these, you know what? These guys are truly hockey guys. A lot of them, you know, played high school and even, you know, Division three college in this area. Um, they know the whole spiel. I mean, they're, they're just hockey guys. They really are. Yeah, and I, I actually heard something interesting uh, one of the other days was that, you know, sometimes the video guys are not hockey guys, and that can impact the way the game gets run. So when there is a review, the delay often isn't the Big Ten official in the box looking at the play. It's the video guy queuing it up and trying to show it to him. Yes. And, and so and, when fans get frustrated, it's it's not the ref's fault. And, and the thing is, you know, at Mariucci, they actually do have a pretty good crew that does that because um, they do have a referee or a former referee up in, you know, the video feed box. Um, to feed the, the the referees at Mariucci. Yeah, I mean, I, I see Marco Hunt in there almost every weekend. Marco's not on the ice anymore, but Marco is behind the scenes. Yep, and they're lucky to have him because that makes that run a lot smoother. It does. It does. And there's a couple other guys I've seen in there who who I, 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 I know that are not refs, but they have been there forever. And, and they know... They know what to do. Mote, he he likes Derek Shepard. He wants you want Derek Shepard back, Mote? Don Adam, you want those two guys back? They're entertaining, that's for sure. They're <laughs> showmen. 
<laughs> oh, Don Adam, just making stuff up. That video will live in infamy, Don Adam. <laughs> I bet you he just loves that. I bring it out of retirement at least a couple times a year. It's just, it's just good stuff. All right, what else do we got here on the, the, the Twitter uh, questions? We had uh, Corbin ask earlier today, how is next year's recruiting class looking? Any chance a player or two leaves early for the NHL? So he's kind of wondering, you know, what's going to happen if we lose a couple guys and who we got coming in? Yeah, it's hard to know what's going to happen. It's such a big senior class leaving that they are going to have to fill a lot of spots. And what Bob has currently committed coming in won't fill all those spots. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens. I almost kind of wonder right now if Bob's got guys lined up, but he's told them to keep it quiet, uh, whether or not they're flipping or whether or not they're just a late commit. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think the only sure things we know coming in are Perbix, Moe, uh, Myers, and I think Caster has to come in next year. You know, They need defensemen, and you know, Caster's a guy who decided to stay around for his senior year at Chaska. He's probably their most offensively dynamic defenseman in the pipeline and probably the most ready. He'll be a little undersized, but you know what? He plays kind of an undersized game, so he's probably the top kid coming in. Jess wants to know how good are the Middlestead brothers? Uh, it's hard to know. You know, they're so young. Uh, they're having a good year right now for Eden Prairie. Uh, Hammy might be more <laughs> the expert on that, but I think uh, the younger one, Luke, is probably the more talented one out of the the pair. Um, although John looks like he's a late bloomer. He's really developed a lot in the last year. Okay. Well, we've got a road trip to Notre Dame this weekend coming up for the boys. Um, you know, we've got TV on NBC sports network on Friday night and Saturday night. It's fair, pretty much a, a stream only on the, you know, NBC sports live app. Um, I do believe that if you have some of the sports packages, I think, uh, was it SNY Network out of New York is going to be you know picking up that feed, but uh, for the most part, it'll be a stream only. And uh, you know, I, I know people complain about this stuff, but uh, it wasn't that long ago when we didn't have any streams. So being able to see video, um, it doesn't bother me all that much. Are you there, V? Just just be thankful it's not go for a puck tape delay. <laughs> right or a, or a game in anchorage or we're listening to the radio at midnight here you know i kind of like those days too because we did do a live broadcast once for anchorage and well, I, you practically do play-by-play of the anchorage I, game and- i almost did and i was drinking heavily and it was uh quite the interesting evening but you know we also had people calling in via skype i remember our good friend mel who lives out in michigan now she was driving in wisconsin she calls Skype via her phone. I mean, she's in her car talking with us. It was almost like a real radio broadcast. It was it was a fun thing to do. Maybe we'll have to do that again sometime, just without the gin. Because that was, I was blubbering by the end of that broadcast. Holy cow. Well, But anyway, there's actual hockey this weekend, Peaks. Um, Notre Dame, you know, we, I think we expect them to be a little better in the league this year they've been a little uh Jekyll and Hyde sort of like the Gophers but uh they're still high up there in the rankings because they've done well in their non-conference games but conference games has been a little tricky for them yeah I think we thought a little bit more of this team coming into the the season you know Cale Morris was so good for them last year uh, they were so good defensively 
I think they really missed the the three forwards that they lost and and Jordan Gross. I know Jake Evans for them last year. He was pretty much on the ice for every important play, yeah. every important faceoff. Um, anytime you use a player like Jordan Gross, you know that's going to have a huge impact on your team because he played so many minutes for them. So I think you know you're seeing some surprising things happen with them. Like I, I saw that Penn State game; they gave up nine goals. <laughs> you know, that's just not something you're used to seeing out of a Jeff Jackson team. So it's it's hard to know what to expect this weekend. I think the biggest key for Minnesota is get a lead. You know, we were talking about how, you know, if Minnesota gets a lead, they might play too defensive. Well, if Notre Dame gets a lead, you know, they're going to pack it in. And it's yeah. going to be a really hard game for Minnesota to break down. You know, if Cal Morris finds his game, you know, that's just not a situation you want to have to get into. Uh, one nice thing about Notre Dame is their rink's a little bit wider than a traditional NHL rink, so it's a nice building for the Gophers to play in. And uh, there does seem to be some momentum right now with the Gopher program, so it's a big test to see if they can keep that up against Notre Dame, a team that's used to playing defense and really good at it. And, and I think that's key because you know we kind of thought that that was going to happen after the Michigan series and then – you know, that second game against Ferris State, we were kind of back to square one. And I, we, we know that, uh, that uh, well, she's almost said Lucia. We know that Moscow was, you know, frustrated in how they regressed against Ferris State. So, you know, hopefully, you know, getting into Penn State. You know, and another thing is hopefully, you know, now that they're playing every week, they can really get into this flow and really get to the point where Moscow wants them to be. Well, and they can focus on hockey. I don't think they have school again here for another couple of weeks. Uh, so this is a team that can kind of almost take on a pro hockey schedule if they want to. You know, they have plenty of time to to get sent extra video to to look at and and be on top of their game. You know, they can get enough sleep. I'm sure Cal Dietz is happy about that. Uh, I'm sure he's not so enthused about hearing about all this Fortnite and uh, Call of Duty and uh, NHL uh, tournament stuff that the players are doing. But we'll see if they can get off their uh, technology enough for this weekend series. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you got to forget about hockey too. Sometimes mm-hmm. you got to put your mind somewhere else and, uh, and, and just, you know, be a college kid. Hey, that's just, that's, at least that's what I think. So as long as it doesn't interfere with their hockey, I say, go for it. Exactly. Cause I mean, you hear about even the, the you, it's almost becoming a problem with the pro players these days. Maybe it's overblown just because hockey can be so old school, but yeah. uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens this weekend on the ice. Now that these guys are are really stretching out and enjoying the break. Boy, I'd love to see Novak get going. I'd just like to see him get a goal. Just get mm-hmm. a goal, and then let's see where it goes. Uh, but I'd I'd be happy with seeing the power play continue to work like it has. I think in a series like this one, power play goals are going to be a premium. And as he gets used to being that high point guy. You know, maybe he can play more confident because that power play works because he moves it so well. Okay. Well, what are you working on over at the Athletic this week or recently? Well, I've got uh, something coming up here on the state of the program. I'm trying to talk to a bunch of people around Gopher Hockey and get their perspective on ticket sales, ticket scans, uh, things that they're doing with the loyalty program, things that they're doing with pricing, uh, some things that they're doing with uh, mobile ticketing. So it should, should touch a lot of things that people are interested in in uh, the future of the program. We'll have some insights there on what facilities are next and how fundraising is going for those. 
It'll be interesting because I know it sounds like uh, they're starting to get some of these players or former players back in the fold and getting them to to do some fundraising or actually donate money. So uh, it, it's looking very positive on that front. Yes, it is. There's just a, a good feeling around. Bob uh, likes to talk about how this is such a good team and a good feeling to be around. I think things with the alums are picking up as well. All right. You got anything else for this week? No, just looking forward to uh, seeing how the stretch goes. Uh, yeah, four, four, be... four road games in a row, then it's like four home games in a row, then four. It's like they're doing four and four quite a bit to, to finish out the season, actually. Mm-hmm. And they're all on streams or TV, which is which is great for us. Yeah, it is. You know, people complain, but I, don't, I really don't know what they're complaining about anymore because uh, just when you said, you know, gopher puck tape delayed you know it used to be that little joke i used to put that little banner up over the the gpo logo when they'd have tape delay games and uh we we did see it once this year when we hadn't seen it in about 10 years so it's much better than people think it is so and they found a way around it for that one too so they did credit credit to the people in the athletic department for being creative most definitely most definitely. You know, well, that's our show for this week. You know, we'll be sure to follow Vigo on Twitter at EVigo. And even though he's not here, follow Hammy on Twitter at Hammy Hockey. For those of you listening live, stay tuned uh, for overtime coming up next. For the rest of you, we'll be back next week to uh, you know, recap this Notre Dame series and preview Michigan State. Uh, until then, we'll see you next time.